This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to Garden of Sound, I'm your host Ian Turner. On today's show you'll have the pleasure of hearing from Wendy Dawn Thompson. But first, tickets are selling fast for Garden of Sound Live, happening in just under a month at the Exchange Cafe in Christchurch. Early bird tickets are only $8 plus booking, but you need to book before midnight this Sunday the 7th to take advantage of that special offer. There are three bands, there's Lotus, Dear No One and headlining are Malinko, who have just released their debut EP Sly Dog. You'll get to hear one of the tracks off that EP at the end of the show as my track of the week. You can book now via eventbrite.com, searching for Garden of Sound, or just follow the links from gardenofsound.nz. But get in before Sunday the 7th at midnight to take advantage of that early bird offer. Right, today's guest is Wendy Dawn Thompson. She's a mezzo-soprano originally from Christchurch, but she left these fair shores years ago to chase fame and fortune in the operatic world. She was a finalist in Cardiff Singer of the World. She's performed major roles with countless opera companies around the world and currently divides her time between Brunei and the United Kingdom. But how did Wendy Dawn Thompson get to where she is today? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Wendy Dawn Thompson on Plains FM 96.9. Wendy, can you tell me about the first memory of music in your life? Um, the first memory I have of actual witnessing music making, I think, was from primary school. I seem to recall sitting on the mat at primary school and hearing... Um, you know how you're given wooden blocks at primary school, just making rhythms and being really into how you can, you know, you can you can go da 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 da, and then you can play something like da 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 or da 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 da, and all of those things, all the cross rhythms, and how interesting that was, and that must have been about four or five and thinking wow this is really interesting and being really frustrated when the music lesson finished because I wanted to keep exploring the rhythms and the sounds um, but by that stage I already knew that I wanted to be involved in music anyway I have no idea why my earliest memory was telling my mother that I was going to be a classical singer that's quite grown up for, <laughs> yeah. a, for a young person where do you think yeah. that came from I think that my mother was talking about Kirita Kanoa. And I think she was talking about how she was overseas and performing for many people uh, all over the world. And for some reason, that just went in. Now, at this stage, I was always, I was already someone who sang all the time. I sang myself to sleep every day, every nap. Um, and I have, you know, I did that until I was 14 or 15, you know, just sang sang myself to sleep, tunes, making up music, singing um, singing to myself when I was playing. Um, and just, it was always about the singing. Um, and it was just, it was just something in me. I always wanted to do it. I can't explain it. Any teachers of note, whether at primary school or, or further on, you can remember? Um, I feel very blessed to have been brought up in Christchurch because there have been so many wonderful music educators here. People like uh, Dorothy Buchanan, who is a wonderful 
Suzuki teacher. She's probably still here. She's probably still teaching, I should imagine. Um, it's, at primary school, I, my music uh, wasn't encouraged. In fact, I was put into the lowest music stream for playing recorder because I couldn't read music. I could just do things by ear. And a lot of my um, children I was at school with could already play play piano and read music, and I just couldn't do that. And, of course, when I went to high school, I was very lucky to go to Burnside High, where we had the most amazing music program, where music making was very much part of every day, every lunch hour, singing. And the music teachers there were wonderful, but really it was it was the whole environment that encouraged making music. So where does the reading of music come in? I'm, I'm presuming that you can read music now. I can. Um, it goes again back to high school. I couldn't read music when I arrived, but because all of my colleagues, my classmates, could music, play the piano and read music, I just decided to teach myself. <laughs> um, fortunately, I had a piano at home, so I just started playing by ear and eventually from playing by ear I put together what was on the page with what I was hearing um, it was just the desire to play things like memory <laughs> from you know from the score um, and to play what was actually written on the on the music that inspired me to 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 investigate the language of written music what would you say to a young person let's say primary school age who perhaps uh, does have a very good ear but but can't read, what's your advice to them? I would actually encourage them to keep playing by ear. Um, I think that that's a very special skill that you can't be taught. Um, it can be encouraged, but being able to listen to music and respond to the sounds around you is something that um, I've noticed a lot of young musicians who can read music aren't necessarily responding to what they're hearing, which I think... It's kind of the point to be working in a team and responding to the sound environment, not some intellectual concept. Emotion's a big part of performing. Uh, do you lose Wendy Dawn Thompson when you're out on stage? I feel like I become a better version. <laughs> um, it's it's interesting um, putting your finger on that because I've worked with uh, a lot of performers at, at training and so on when they get out on stage they they look like rabbits in headlights and I feel very much the opposite I feel like the minute I walk on stage I can be and do anything I feel powerful excited um, inspired um I don't know, I just feel bigger, uh, hyper, uh, other. Um, and that's how I actually identified my singing teacher. We were doing an opera together, and uh, in rehearsals everything was fine, you know, on stage. It was, it was good, we had good um, chemistry. But then the minute we actually got on stage to perform, I, I felt like alive and I could just see he was utterly terrified <laughs> but then I talked to him about it and and he talked that about how he felt the way I feel when he was teaching singing and I was like well it's clear to me you had a gift and he's still my teacher today <laughs> any other sort of singing role models that that you have people specifically yeah I um 
I my tastes and performers have changed over the years and my priorities were very much used to be led by who can communicate to me um, with their acting the best. And some of the best acting singers have been my inspiration. Like Placido Domingo, I've found unbelievable um, with how well he can act a role and sing it. Uh, he was the first performer that I saw on video that I was like, okay, that's what being a singing actor is really about. And since then, um, probably my biggest uh, singer I'm the biggest fan of is a guy called Simon Keenleyside. He's a British baritone, but he takes his um, physicality to another level um, when he's performing. Um, he did a wonderful performance of a, a song cycle by Schubert called Winterizer, where he danced and he had a team of about four dancers while, whilst he sang. Now his singing is unbelievable. Um, his communication skills are unparalleled, but then he was dancing as well. And I find, found that really, really exciting to combine all of those arts together and just, you know, take it to another level. So anyone who communicates and is trying to find new areas to expand into, I find that very exciting. You've just reeled off two men. Where are the women? Uh, <laughs> You see them as yes, competition. Mm, there is a bit of that and a bit of jealousy, to be honest. You know, I I find that I don't listen to women singers because I'm comparing my own skills to theirs. Um, but the most exciting voice is someone like Jessie Norman or Leontone Price. They're just the voices are out of this world, and I would I would I would love to be able to sing like they sing, but uh, I don't have their um, physical uh, makeup, so. <laughs> and that's a that's a key part. It is. Yeah. It is. You, you, your voice is very much about the the bone structure that you've been given, um, and you can work on your physicality uh, and your technique, but you can't overcome what your what your physical limitations are with with your voice. Let's talk about influences at least. Mm. Um, is there a specific track from any of those people or maybe somebody completely different that you'd like to share? Yeah. Um, when I was at uh, studying overseas, I started watching lots and lots of videos, which is why I mentioned Placido, Placido Domingo, because I saw him sing Otello, um, and that really changed my, my perception about what opera is. Um, and I had a CD when I was at university of opera quartets and trios that I used to listen to in the background and there's a track on there which is from a Richard Strauss opera called Die Frau ohne Schatten which means the woman without a shadow. <laughs> now it's not very often performed this opera because the four main roles are absolute killers. Um, the two the two women have to sing uh, at the extremes of their range as does the tenor and the bass and on this CD that I had, there's a quartet from the end of the opera. So you've got three hours of singing absolutely to the peak of your abilities. And then at the end of the opera, there's this quartet where um, they sing, uh, two of the characters sing, and the, there is a chorus of women off stage who are their unborn children who are singing. And the music is absolutely ecstatic and, I'd have to say, orgasmic. Um, and the recording that I've got has Plasto Domingo in it. Uh, 
embarrassingly, I don't know who the women are. Um, <laughs> the man is Jose Van Damme. And because the singing is so extreme and the music is so overwrought, I listen to it whenever I need to hype myself up for something and when I really need to be fired up. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> Die 
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Wendy Dawn Thompson on Plains FM 96.9. Have you tried Taha Sparkling Tonic? It's made right here in New Zealand from the best natural ingredients, Manuka honey, organic ginger and kawakawa. The medicinal benefits of these three are well known, but when they're combined, you get a healthy taste sensation that's out of this world! Fortunately, you can buy Taha right now from supermarkets, cafes and bars all over New Zealand. Find out more at taha.nz. Taha, a drink from the edge of the world. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Wendy Dawn Thompson on Plains FM 96.9. You talked about um, uh, moving over to the United Kingdom in, in that time over in the UK. Um, tell me about some of your um, big experiences. Oh, over there. well, it was, it was life changing moving to the UK uh, in terms of my singing and music influences. Um, I went to the Royal Northern College of Music in Manchester. Um, Manchester, if you don't know, is very cold and wet. Uh, you may know it from Coronation Street. Um, <laughs> and they have a football team. Yep, yeah, they have a football team you may have heard of. One or two, in fact. Um, uh, so that was quite a culture shock as well. Um, uh, and from there I went to the Royal College of Music in London. Um, and uh, the big influence, that the big thing that happened to me there was... Um, I was able to attend something called the Britain Peers School, which is uh, a school set up by a composer called Benjamin Britten uh, and his partner, a performing partner and life partner, Peter Peers. Um, uh, Britten's works are very much part of my life now, um, but they set up a school in Aldborough, which is in a very remote part of the UK, uh, beautiful and mysterious and uh, otherworldly. Uh, and they have, at that school, uh, Britain and Piers died, well, Britain died in 1976. So the school is part of their legacy and they bring together some of the best performers in the world to teach young up-and-coming performers. And through that school, I worked with um, Malcolm Martineau, who's one of the best accompanists in the world, and Anne Murray, Dame Anne Murray, um, Philip Langridge. These are wonderful singers, British singers, um, who have really inspired me on my path. So going there sort of changed the course of my life, really. I don't think I would have um, been performing the music of Richard Strauss, like we've just listened to, um, had I not been able to work on it there with Anne Murray, who's one of the uh, best performers of Richard Strauss's music. Um, and, um, of course, the music of Benjamin Britten has influenced me hugely throughout my career. Um, so I feel like had I not gone there, I wouldn't be sitting here probably. So that's a big, big thing for me. Mean, means a lot to me. It all sounds very expensive. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that today um, in the shower. When I, I was thinking, I wonder if I had to pay to go to the Britain Peers School. It was, it was, they were only 10-day courses. I went on two of them. Um, they're residential and um, I think I must have been there on a scholarship of some sort because there's no way I could have afforded to, afforded to have paid for that on top of paying for my fees at music college. 
Tell yes. me about Carter Singer of the World. How did that come about? Right. So I remember as a child watching the BBC Carter Singer of the World on New Zealand television when Teddy Rhodes, when Martin Snell were um, in that. I remember that being much reported upon, much like the... Um, the, what's now the Lexus Songquest and was the Mobile Songquest. But the Cardiff Singer of the World, from my perspective as a New Zealander, felt like um, the Olympics of singing. So it was always in my heart something that I wanted to um, be part of if I could. And um, when I auditioned in 2004 for the 2005 uh, competition, I was very fortunate to be selected for New Zealand. Um, and I went about the competition very much with the attitude of if I don't know how big it is, then it's not that big. Because I've, I've done a lot of singing, singing competitions. I started doing them when I was in Christchurch, um, probably from the age of 10. Um, so I felt quite experienced in terms of competition, but nothing on the scale of the Cardiff Singer where you've got... TV cameras at every round, um, the whole city of Cardiff buzzes with the competition. You you feel like you you walk into the supermarket and everyone knows you're a competitor. Um, it's it, you can't help but be infected by the the atmosphere of of the excitement around that competition. But I tried to ignore all of that stuff and just do what I love, which is performing. I had to go out on stage every time thinking this is what I love doing and this is just another opportunity to share my my love of the music with people, whether they're sitting at home watching it on TV or here in the theatre, which are the people that I can ultimately communicate with here and now. So I performed for them and I felt very happy with, with what I'd done uh, at the time. And I got... Um, I'm told by the judges there was one point between myself and the girl who won in the final. So I feel very proud of my achievements there. Is there any advice that you would sort of pass on to a, a younger version of Wendy, whether that's, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago or maybe maybe even younger than that? Uh, I mean, I, there's certainly a lot of mistakes I'd like to avoid, but the thing is all the mistakes add up to making you who you are as a performer. Um so one of the most embarrassing things that I, I, I did when I, looking back, I was a young artist with the New Zealand Opera Company in 2000. And my singing teacher at the time was uh, a wonderful Margaret Medlin, uh, who is still teaching in Wellington and performing too. Uh, and at the time, New Zealand Opera were performing Aida, which is a very um, big opera by Verdi. Now, my voice now... Would, would still never be the right kind of voice to be singing Verdi. Um, but at the age of 22, 23, I was very keen and wanted to, to make the most of any opportunity that came my way. So I was understudying one of the main roles in Aida. Um, this role was sung by an amazing British mezzo called Rosalind Plowright, who's a stage animal. She's, oh, she's just, she can eat up the stage. And I would sit in the wings every performance right at the side of the proscenium arch and watch her do her performances. But when we were rehearsing, there were a couple of days where she was um, coming 
before she came from the UK where where they needed someone to sing her part before she was able to attend. So I got up in front of the whole opera chorus and and singing opposite my own singing teacher and sang this music that is so, so advanced and so, so not my voice type. But I gave it everything and I'm, I'm actually surprised I didn't hurt myself. <laughs> but after one of the rehearsals, Margaret said to me, don't ever, ever sing that again. She was so um, rightly looking out for my interests where I wasn't. So, you know, the the thing is when you're a young singer, particularly in an opera, you want to make the most of all those opportunities, but your voice isn't necessarily ready for it. Um, I I had the enthusiasm, but not the voice. Um, so I'm embarrassed about that, but at the same time... Um, I can look back and laugh. And also when I see other singers doing that, I can really recognise it um, and share my own experience of what that was like. Now, I didn't do any harm, but I could have. Is there a favourite piece of music that you've carried with you always? Something that you, you love, keep coming back to? Just something that you absolutely love? Um, I'd have to say it would be Benjamin, the music of Benjamin Britten. Um, I would say my Desert Island opera would be Peter Grimes, the music of Peter Grimes. Um, it's the first opera I saw that I understood that opera is theatre and opera is about us here and now, not some ancient thing that has nothing to do with our life. Um, you know, it's an opera about being an outsider, being shunned by community, um, and I think that's just as relevant now as it ever was. So any time where I need... A bit of soul food. I'll listen to Benjamin Britten's music. And what track would you like to play for us right now? Oh, I'd think the sea interludes, the first sea interlude from Benjamin Britten's opera Peter Grimes is is pretty magical. You can you can feel the sky and the stillness of the sea and the seagulls and the desolateness of where Benjamin Britten wrote, where he lived in Auburn, but it. It still it feels like New Zealand to me too. Just that endless skyline on a on a still still winter's day like like I, like we've got today. It was magical.
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Wendy Dawn Thompson on Plains FM 96.9. Thanks so much for being part of Garden of Sound. I just want to bring your attention to a very cool photographer working in Christchurch. Her name is Shannon Jessica. I met Shannon while at the RockQuest Heats this year. And apart from being a wonderful human being, Shannon has a real gift for live music photography. She turned out some amazing work during that RockQuest event, and she's done the same for a huge number of local bands. But Shannon also delivers stunning naturalistic portraits and breathtaking shots of the outdoors. I thoroughly recommend if you're looking for a gig photographer or something a little different for your next photo shoot, then do get in touch with her. You can do that through her website. It's shannonjessica.wixsite.com forward slash photo. That's S-H-A-N-N-A-N-J-E-S-S-I-C-A dot W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com forward slash photo. Now that forward slash photo is very important. Or... If that's a little too much for you to note down, then head to gardenofsound.nz and check out the Partners page for Shannon's link. Coming up at the end of the program today, I'm going to be playing you my track of the week from Malinko. It's off their Sly Dog EP, so make sure you stick around for that. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Wendy Dawn Thompson on Plains FM 96.9. Wendy, you used the term soul destroying yeah why is that um the the story of peter grimes is um just one that i identify so much as a a new zealand story even though this is written by a guy in england in the 1940s it's very much what happens when you've got a small community and somebody's a bit different um and in that music that's just that just describes the sea but within that um, he takes some ideas from that through the through the opera that music happens at the very end comes back right at the end of the opera and it represents the way that society can turn its back on someone and it's like nothing ever happened you know they they can turn in the opera they do literally turn their backs on um an outsider and the opera ends the same way it started with with the with the villagers doing exactly the same old things they've always ever done and they pretend that they never destroyed anyone <laughs> you know like it never happened so that that music listening to it because i know what happens in the opera i find chilling because it's meant to be beautiful but it represents something is that we're all capable of evil, actually, if 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 you look at it, um, we may not think we're doing, we we may be doing things that we think are in the interests of everyone, but there's always a price. So that music represents that for me. So chilling. What's the most emotionally demanding piece of work that you've been involved in? I've done a lot of work with a director called Graham Vick, <clears throat> whose work I I would basically crawl over glass to be involved in anything by him. Um, <clears throat> his operas are always um, about the people 
the societies we're in. So I live in, I used to live in Birmingham and I worked with him with Birmingham Opera Company and the operas would always have about 100 members of the community, non-singers, um, of every race, colour and creed. Voluntary, they would be singers and actors involved in the productions and the productions would always be promenade. So what that means is there's no seats and the audience follow the performers wherever they are in, in a space. So it's not a theatre. We performed in factories and, you know, uh, circus tents and, you know, places that required a lot of cleaning before we went in to rehearse. Um, and we're still cold, wet and miserable. Um, but the volunteers, um, as an audience member, you would be standing there and then suddenly somebody next to you would be part of the performance and um, informing the experience uh, by performing something next to you that you it's it's very confronting as an audience because you're right there the singers are also right there in front of you so working with him was always extremely intense long hours um, difficult working conditions but incredibly inspiring. Operas would always be in the language of the audience, uh, of the people, because there's nothing more powerful than you don't need a translator. I mean, opera carries with it huge, huge emotional weight. Um, but when you put that in your actual language and you can understand what someone's singing, as well as the, the musical emotional weight and the dramatic situations that are being presented to you, it affects people in ways that I, I find deeply moving and it's something I want to be involved in. So working in those sorts of thing, uh, productions have been amazing. Is there any music theatre out there that carries an equal emotional weight? Oh, I would, I would definitely say Hamilton is is a very very powerful piece of music theatre and there's n there's a good reason why it's as popular as it is um, that I found it deeply moving to watch um, and to experience and I find that actually about musical theatre in general I've I've seen a lot in London and um, the parallels between music and theatre and opera are so great that. Uh, I'm a bit, I'm a bit of a frustrated um, opera singer in that that I just they're just the same, they're just the same. It's just the style of singing that's a bit different. One's amplified and one's not. Um, so I find going to music theatre just as thrilling as as opera. Is there a piece from Hamilton you'd like to play? Oh yes, um, I I really love, <laughs> I love the whole thing, but um, I'm not going to give it give away my um, my shot that track of course I don't know the lyrics very well but um, that I find really that's another track that gets me going makes me happy I am not throwing away my shot I am not throwing away my shot hey, yo, I'm just like my country I'm young scrappy and hungry and I'm not throwing away my shot to King's College I probably shouldn't brag But dag, I amaze and astonish The problem is I got a lot of brains But no polish I gotta holler Just to be heard With every word I drop knowledge I'm a diamond in the rough A shiny piece of coal Trying to reach my goal My power of speech Unimpeachable Only 19 But my mind is older These New York City streets Get cold I shoulder Every burden Every disadvantage I've learned to manage I don't have a gun to brandish I walk these streets famished The plan is to fan this Fuck into a flame But damn it's getting so let me spell out the name I am the A-L-E-X-A-N 
company that runs independently Meanwhile Britney keeps shitting on us endlessly Essentially, they tax us relentlessly Then King George turns around, runs a spending spree He ain't never gonna set his descendants free So there will be a revolution in this century Enter me He says in parentheses Don't be shocked when your history book mentions me I will lay down my life if it sets us free Eventually you'll see my ascendancy And I am not thrown away my shot I am not throwing away my shot Hey yo, I'm just like my country I'm young, scrappy, and hungry And I'm not throwing away my shot I am not throwing away my shot I am not throwing away my shot Hey yo, I'm just like my country I'm young, scrappy, and hungry And I'm not throwing away my shot I dream of life without a monarchy. The unrest in France will lead to anarchy. Anarchy, how you say? I use our anarchy. <laughs> when I fight, I make the other side panicky with my shit. Yo, I'm a tailor's apprentice. And I got child knuckleheads and local parentis. I'm joining the rebellion, cause I know it's my chance to socially advance. Instead of sewing some pants, I'm gon' take shit. And but we'll never be truly free until those in bondage have the same rights as you and me. You and I do or die. Wait till I sally in on a stallion with the first black Geniuses, lower your voices. You keep out of trouble and you double your choices. I'm with you, but the situation is fraught. You've got to be carefully taught. If you talk, you're gonna get shot. Bird, check what we got. Mr. Lafayette, hard rock like Lancelot. I think your pants look hot. Lawrence, I like you a lot. Let's hatch a plot blacker than the kettle calling the pot. What are the odds of God who put us all in one spot? Pop in a squad and conventional wisdom like it or not. A bunch of revolutionary manumission abolitionists. Position, show me where the ammunition is. Oh, am I talking too loud? Sometimes I get overexcited, shoot off at the mouth. I never had a group of friends before. I promise that I'll make y'all proud. Let's get this guy in front of a crowd. I am not going away my shot. I am not going away my shot. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not going away my shot. Our 
descendants Or will the blood be shed begin an endless cycle of vengeance and death with no defendants? I know the action in the street is exciting But Jesus, between all the bleeding and fighting, I've been reading and writing We need to handle our financial situation Are we a nation of states? What's the state of our nation? I'm past patiently waiting, I'm passionately smashing Every expectation, every action's an act of creation I'm laughing in the face of casualties and sorrow For the first time I'm thinking past tomorrow And I am not for the way This is the Garden of Sound interview with Wendy Dawn Thompson on Plains FM 96.9. Wendy, have you got any unfulfilled musical fantasies or goals that you'd like to achieve in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years? Yeah, how unrealistic do they need to be? <laughs> no goal is unrealistic. <laughs> oh, crikey. I would I would love to do, um, I'd like to work with um, Lin-Manuel. I would love that. I would like to work you'd in like musical theatre. shot. I definitely like my shot. Uh, I feel that, um, you know, perhaps I might not be what uh, musical theatre is looking for, <laughs> being that I'm 45 years old and uh, uh, music theatre is um, just like opera in that. Well, actually, it's interesting because opera would have the reputation because we use older singers, the voices have to be of a certain maturity, that uh, you don't get put out to pasture. Um, quite so soon in comparison to musical theatre which is brutal and it's um, unless you're Bette Midler well you know people like Patti Lapone, who's another inspiration um, uh, and Bette Midler make their own paths which I think is the way to go ultimately but um, you know it's true that performing arts is, is hard for anyone but older women definitely you know, there's not very many opportunities for older women in performing arts. Um, but we're doing our best to change that, uh, making our own art. Um, somebody else I'd like to perform with, work with, is the current head of the Metropolitan Opera. Now, not because he is the head of the Metropolitan Opera. This, his name is Yannick Neze Sagan. He's a wonderful Canadian conductor, but I feel that we would speak the same musical language. That's why I want to work with him. There are certain musicians that you work with who make you bigger than you are. Um, and uh, I feel that were I to work with him, that I could produce some amazing stuff. So he'd be a conductor I'd want to work with. We've gone this whole interview and we haven't heard anything that you've... You've sung. Is there anything that you'd like to play for us today that you've recorded? Yeah, I um I finally got the courage to actually put my voice down on tape. I'm uh, explain that to me. You spent so many years in front of audiences. What's different about the recorded medium? Um, I am very much a live performer. Um, what I do is um, it goes back to actually what I was talking to you about about knowing from a very young age that I wanted to be a singer. A lot of singers become singers because they're good singers. <laughs> now, I wouldn't say I'm a terrible singer, but I wasn't, uh, I wasn't someone who 
people would have said at a young age, wow, what an amazing voice. Um, I'm someone, I'm, I'm a workhorse. I've worked at my voice. Uh, I've worked at my um, technique acting. And the thing that gets me excited is live performance, communicating with an audience. So I don't feel that my voice is actually my strongest thing. It's my ability to communicate um, and make... Um, the live experience special that I, I think is good for me. So to, to I find di- recording difficult because it's I don't have an audience in front of me um, and um, I, I'm required to listen to my own voice in, in the process and I find that very difficult. It's not something I actually like. Um, I, I, I enjoy um, listening to other performers and and so on, but my own voice I find very difficult to listen to because I'm listening to the I can I can hear the things that I can do better all the time. I'm always striving to be better as a singer. So, what made you make this decision to get into the studio? Ah, uh, well, I was in a situation. I was uh, in London performing in the West End in a show at the National Theatre called Amadeus, um, and in that show, unlike opera, I'm performing eight shows a week. Um, opera, you'd perform every second night, and that would be a lot. <laughs> um, but performing eight shows a week uh, was really good for my stamina and also good for opportunity for me to sort of put aside that ego. And um, uh, when I wasn't performing, I was able to work with my regular partner, Lindy Tennant-Brown, who's a New Zealand pianist who lives in London also. Um, and for the two of us to just put aside all our daily worries and make some music together and finally say, yeah, you know, what we've got is good enough. Because we're always very, very critical as performers, you know. And is it ever good enough? I mean, who knows? I mean, even this recording I, I know could be could be better in five years and ten years, you know. It's all, all time, isn't it? But um, it's certainly something I'm proud of today. Wendy, I want to thank you so much for being on Garden of Sound. Thank you.
Oh, I probably, I probably should have explained what this is about before we started listening to it. This is a young composer who's just in the process of the opera, fallen in love for the first time. And that passion turns into this aria, which is him talking about how music is the most highest of the art, all of the arts. It's highest of the arts. That's what I've just sung. So the music is ebullient and full of inspiration because the composer is making it up. This prayer to how wonderful music is, which is why it's so... As I mentioned earlier in the programme, early bird tickets are now available for Garden of Sound Live, which is happening on November 2nd. Headlining that gig are Malenko, who have just released their debut EP, Sly Dog. My track of the week this week is a little number from them called Feel Obliged. I hope you enjoy it.
Thanks for joining me today. That was Malenko, who will be headlining Garden of Sound Live in less than a month's time. Get your tickets for that event right now by going to gardenofsound.nz and following the link, or visiting eventbrite.com and searching for Garden of Sound. Huge thanks to today's guest, Wendy Dawn Thompson, a fantastically talented and unbelievably hardworking mezzo-soprano. If you want to find out more about what Wendy's up to, then head along to gardenofsound.nz right now and click Wendy's image on the front page. That'll take you to a page with a Spotify playlist of all the songs we talked about today and so much more. Next week, I continue the overseas theme as I talk to Vanessa Monaghan. She's an Irish broadcaster and music promoter who you could probably believe has a tale or two to tell about the music industry in both Ireland and the UK. Until then, I'm Ian Turner. I look forward to bringing you Garden of Sound, same time next week. <laughs>